You're listening to the Live Well Radio Podcast Show. A wealth of information for a life of inspiration. And here's your host, Brett Coleman. Hey everyone, today is Mindset Monday, and if there's a sport that requires an enormous amount of mental strategy, it has to be golf. Uh, Focus, discipline, technique, all part of the equation to play this very, very challenging game at its highest level. Uh, Here to share some of his proven strategies and help elevate your game is assistant golf pro Kurt Brown from the Camelback Golf Club in beautiful Scottsdale, Arizona. Kurt Brown, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well, Brad. How are you? Good, man. Did you get 18 in today or not? Uh, no, not today. Just uh, just had some stuff going on this morning, and I uh, just got a nice workout in. Now I'm just enjoying watching the U.S. Open. Gotcha. Gotcha. Who's in the lead? Who's, who's taking the leaderboard? Uh, Dustin Johnson came out today and shot 300 this morning, 67. So he's on top. He's the only player under par at this point in time. Nice. Hey, when did you get your PGA ranking? It uh, became Class A in 2012. About six years ago. Mm-hmm. I'm going to take us back to the first time you swung a golf club. Did you know, Kurt, at that point you were at that point in time you were born to be a golfer? Uh, my first time touching a golf club was when I was about four, so I really didn't know that I was going to be a golfer <laughs> at that point in time. But uh, but when I became uh, about 12 years old is when I started really getting into it, taking it seriously, competing against my dad, competing against uh, other kids my age and stuff along those lines. And that's kind of when the passion really started when I was about fifth grade. I actually wanted to be a, a professional at that point in time. So you knew back in fifth grade, this is it. Yep. Yep. <laughs> That's pretty cool, man. So you were actually swinging a club from four years old and I, and I can't do the math that quickly. So how old are we in fifth grade? Uh, fifth grade, I was about, I think, 10, 11, somewhere in there. So five or six years, uh, consistent playing from, from the time you were four, did they, did you, Mom and dad keep you involved for that uh, f- for the whole stretch. Uh, yeah, actually, my my grandfather was a, a big golfer, which uh, kind of in in uh, took over my dad as well. My dad that was his passion growing up, so uh, it was just another way to hang out and spend time with both my my grandfather and my dad. So kind of kept me around. But growing up in Michigan, you can only do it four months out of the year, so I uh, really just played as much as I could during the uh, the summer months into the fall and pretty much everything growing up vacation wise is based off of uh, golf trips for me and my old man. So that was always, always fun, good way to grow up and kind of really got that passion of the game going. It really is. I grew up in Michigan as well. I actually from uh, just north of, De- uh, north of Detroit and my dad, he's a, he worked for Ford Motor Company for gosh, I don't know, 35, 40 years. Now he works at Oakland Hills. Uh, he he, oh, right he loves Oakland Hills. Yeah. So how, why golf, Kurt? Not, not, why not bat? Why do you use basketball, baseball, football? How'd you pick golf? Uh, so I just really excelled in golf. I actually was a pretty good basketball player too, back in, back in high school time frame. Um, that was actually my first love in sports, but I played everything growing up. Uh, golf just kind of was what challenged me the most and what kept me engaged the most. And it, uh, really started to kind of, take its course and the closest thing to life that you could possibly play is the game of golf. It's got its ups and downs, the ability to kind of be out there by yourself and compete against yourself. There's no other sport like it. So that's kind of what drew me to that, to that, 
that realm and was always competing. And the greatest thing about it is like, you're always competing. You can never get good enough at it. And it's always the most competition towards yourself, which is, there's nothing else like it. That, that's a sheer mental strategy, mental focus. Yeah. Yeah. That's, mm-hmm. you, you know, you're cut out for that game because I look at it as the greyhounds at the track trying to chase that rabbit. They're never going to get. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's a good way to put right? it. Yeah. A really good way to put so it. So you're, yeah, you're one that you can't. Right. You're driven by it, and there's other people who are turned off by it. So you, you know you're, you're a diehard golfer when you look at it as a positive, not a negative, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. It's, uh, it's been fun being able to – I really started getting into coaching. Um, when I came out here about three years after, after living out here, I really started getting into coaching. That's been kind of the most fun part about it is getting those people that really want to get better and improve – and just take their games to the next level. And it's just, there's no, there's no better feeling in the world than from taking somebody to where they were and bringing them to where their goal may be and how happy that makes them. It's just, it's probably the coolest thing that I've experienced since I've been around the game is getting people to, to perform better and, and play better and, and reach their goals. It's just been, it's been really cool. It's gotta be very rewarding. So let's talk about that for a second. You took your passion and you made it your career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So at what point do you say, man, you know, I'm good enough. I, I think I can turn this in more than a, it's more than a hobby. It could actually turn into a, a livelihood. What, when did that happen? I actually went to school for it. Uh, I went to it's being, being from Michigan. You're probably familiar with the school Ferris State University oh, up yeah. there in uh, about 50 miles north of Grand Rapids. Right. So Ferris has uh, the number one professional golf management program in the country. And, uh, I ended up going there for that program. So I I kind of knew even coming out of high school that I wanted to, to go there and, and get into the uh, the industry. I didn't know at that point in time what I wanted to do with the industry. Um, so coming out here and, and working with a couple of instructors that I've been able to work with, uh, one of the main main guys that's helped me the most is his name's Craig Bunker. He's, uh, he ran John Jacobs Golf Academies uh, throughout most of his career. He's been teaching for 40 plus years. He used to work with Butch Harmon. He used to work with uh, another gentleman that actually teaches out here in the Valley called, his name is Donald Crowley. So he's by far the most knowledgeable golf instructor I've come across in, in my, my time. And also getting into uh, what's called uh, Titles Performance Institute, which is uh, a study of body mechanics and how, how golfers move and how that affects their golf swings. It's really started to kind of work my way into that realm and get me to to where I wanted to be in that. So that's kind of how all that panned out. That kind of takes me right to my next question, because you obviously at your level, you have to be watching, like right now you're watching the US Open, you have to be watching these players with a different perspective than I was there watching. You have, you're looking at technique. What else are you looking for? Uh, so t- techniques, is, it's a, it's, technique doesn't always equal performance. There's guys that do things very, very different. I mean, you just, for example, you could take in um, the pairings this morning with Dustin Johnson and Tiger Woods. Dustin Johnson, very, very hypermobile body guy. He can move unlike anybody else. His his, uh, his flexion in his lead wrist, which is that, that bowing of his lead wrist, the top of his golf swing. There's not too many people in the world that can, can move like that. And then the mobility that he has throughout his, his, his mid middle back, which is called thoracic spine, he has his a tremendous amount of range of motion in that. I think he turns over 120 degrees with the thoracic spine. Uh, not too many people have that mobility, and then you have Tiger, which is position-wise one of the greatest position 
golf swings that's ever been created. And it's more of that, that technical, that, that, that sought after look in a golf swing. It's uh, very traditional. I guess that's the word I'm looking for is very traditional looking at golf swing. Obviously with his back surges and everything, he's lost some mobility, but able to create just as much club head speed, ball speed and all that fun stuff as, as Dustin Johnson, who's 10 years younger than him. So it's kind of cool seeing all that stuff and seeing how they move and what they do differently and how they have to manipulate the golf club based on what the club face is doing during the duration of the golf swing. So it's interesting to look at that kind of stuff. But they're not thinking about that while they're out there playing. They're just trying to hit golf shots. They're seeing, they're seeing lines. They're trying to put, them spell, put themselves into a, a position where they can be successful at their next shot. And then whatever the course gives them, they keep playing it from there. This is especially being the U.S. Open. This is probably the toughest U.S. Open in the last six or seven years that they've had to play. Actually, I think it's the highest scoring average since ni- 1986, the last time they played Shinnecock. Um, so it's kind of cool seeing these guys having to overcome the adversity of a very challenging golf course. Yeah, no doubt. Let's say you, uh, you Woods and Dustin Johnson are having dinner. What, what question do you have for each of those guys? How do they get their mental aspect? They're both Tigers, one of the greatest mental golfers I've ever seen. He's one of the, probably the best mental athlete that we've ever seen. Uh, just being able to go out there and he for a decade knew he was going to beat everybody out there and he believed it more than anybody. It was just that thing that his mind is what separates him the most from any athlete that I've ever seen. And Dustin kind of has that same mentality in a sense where he doesn't really, it, it doesn't seem like much bothers him. Um, he doesn't show much emotion. So just kind of how they get there and, and what they would go about and, telling somebody that help them get to that mental mental thought process and get them to understand that a little bit more because that's by far the most important thing from taking a talented player and the top of the tier in the in the PGA tour or the world for for golf players or golfers um that is their mind their mindset is just it's it's such a different thing than what you see on the mini tours, which is kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. I love that. I'm fascinated by people's mindsets, players, mm-hmm. uh, go- golfers, anybody who takes that mind to that level. It really is. It, it, it's a fascinating thing. So Earl Tiger's dad from very early age, I don't know if we're, some of us are born more with the ability to, 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 tr- to uh, transform or elevate to that higher level mindset. But Earl worked a lot with mm-hmm. Tiger as a kid when he started, when he was your, like when you started, four years old, wasn't it about uh, three or four? Yeah. I, I think Tiger was younger. I think he was uh, two or three when he started. You think that has a lot to do but, with uh, it? Was, it? His dad had a lot to do with it. I think it had a lot to do with that military background that he had as well. Mm-hmm. Discipline. Mm-hmm. So it was just something that started at a very young age for him, and he became dominant very, very early in his his golfing career. He was a phenom before he was on TV at three years old hitting golf shots. Right. So Mike he was Douglas. he was kind of the kind of the chosen one at that point. Uh, Dustin Dustin had a lot of adversity in his his game, and as soon as he started working with Butch, um, what was that? Probably. Six years ago, maybe even a little bit earlier than that. I think it might have been closer to 2013. Maybe it was closer to five years ago. But as soon as he started working with with uh, with Butch, his game changed tremendously. And that's when last two three years he's been 
a top of the world ranking quite a bit and you just got to get it back. So it's just it's unreal what those guys can do. Obviously they're all tremendous athletes, um, but their minds are incredible and they all go about it a different way. Uh, Justin Rose, for example, is very, you see his practice swings, his rehearsals, he's very analytical on what he's trying to do out there. And, and a lot of golfers and Phil Mickelson's another one of those people. He's, he's very analytical. He likes to have all the information uh, comparison to somebody like John Rahm, which he'd rather just go out there and just go play and hit golf shots. And that's more kind of the, the creative uh, player. And I would say majority of people trying to get in that right brain, which is that creative side of your brain mm-hmm. are more successful. Uh, but then you have the, the guys like Phil and Justin, uh, I would say probably DeChambeau is very similar to that, that they like to get into that analytical aspect and that's when they perform their best. So it's just going out there trying to figure out how you think, how you feel, and where you perform your, your, your best golf and getting in that same mindset as much as you possibly can. And I think that's where a lot of amateur golfers lose the sight of, of how they perform and when they perform well and then what happens when they perform bad to where they can grow off that information to where they start feeling that type of sensations to get out of that sensation as fast as possible. That's why the guys on the PGA Tour are so much more more gifted in that sense of being able to notice that they're falling into a certain mindset and they get themselves out of there very quickly. That's a great, great, unique, that's a great tip to have. You know, they say, you've heard, we've all heard the saying, uh, you know, success is hard enough to attain, but even harder to maintain. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm sure you've had to taste that yourself, getting to the top and then saying, okay, now I got to, now <laughs> that I'm here, I got to, I got to stay at this level and elevate and continue because there's guys chasing you, you know, every time yeah. you're going out there. So, yeah. And no, he, exactly. Have you, go ahead. No, you're no, what were you going to say? No, I was going to ask you, have you had a chance to sit down with any of these guys? You, you met these guys personally, met anybody, these uh, these names in person? Um, I've not had a lot of conversations with these guys, but I have uh, I trained at the same facility uh, as John Rom, so I get to... Uh, I get to pick some of his his trainer um, trainers information what they what they work on what they talk about and also his uh, his medical professional that he works with I also work with as well they're kind of a part of our team I refer a lot of my clients to to them to try to help improve their bodies help them get them moving better help them get to spots where if we're trying to work in in somebody's golf swing and they physically can't get there and their goal is to to perform at a certain level but we can't get them past this past where they're at because of some type of limitation that they have. I refer them up to to those guys and they start working at, which is great. It's great to have that relationship. And that's what, another, another reason why a lot of these guys on tour, they have a team around them where they have a, a medical, a physical, uh, a, a mental coach and a swing coach. So it's a, it's a team of team, team. It's more team than people realize. Obviously they see the individual player out there on, on tour playing but there's so much in the back end that, that go about working with each other, talking about game planning. The caddy, obviously a part of that team as well, going through their, their mental aspects, what they, what they need to do in their golf swing. So it all, all really kind of working together to try to maintain that performance for a longer period of time. And people hire you to teach them how to elevate their game. So what's the number one thing that you bring to the table that can help any level of player become better at? So one thing that I probably stress on the most is getting players better at actually physically holding the golf club. I would say a majority of amateurs don't have very good grips. 
Uh, it's the only thing that connects us to the golf club, which has the immediate response of what the club face is doing. The club face obviously tells the golf ball where to go. So that's probably the one thing I focus on a lot with a lot of individuals is just getting them to hold the golf club better. At that point in time, it starts to improve their overall golf swing uh, because they're not trying to manipulate nearly as much and they start performing performing a little bit better in that sense. But uh, there's, I mean, there's a plethora of, of different ways that you have to go about coaching people. A lot of times it's just trying to change their mindset into, into more performance than it is technique. So I'm not, did I answer your question? Yeah, no, perfect. The next question I was going to ask is, are there people who just aren't cut out for the game of golf? I mean, I think, I think of Bobby, it's my type of guy that I don't think should be on a golf course is like Bobby Knight types. Remember him? You probably weren't even born yet. The vision of him throwing that chair across the basketball court back in 1985 against Purdue, that'll always, <laughs> always be imprinted yeah, in a lot of people's minds. Yeah, a little temper problem. He had a little bit of a temper problem, but he was a great coach and <laughs> yeah, uh, he, he, did, he demanded a lot. So, yeah, it, I don't know. It's a, there's obviously what you do as a child correlates a lot to what you can do in the future in, in, in terms of your athleticism. People, a lot of people I see take up golf later and later in their lives just because they see that you can. Um, but a lot of times when you don't do anything athletic growing up, you don't, you don't have quite the same ceilings as top, like a top tier athlete. Let's say you have a professional baseball player that's never touched a golf club in a day in their life comes to you and you start coaching them, they can get the information a lot quicker than somebody that maybe played cello for a profession their whole entire life. They never did anything in the sense of tennis or baseball or basketball, whatever it may be. They didn't do anything athletic. They were more into to certain things, playing instruments, whatever it may be. Um, but they weren't doing that athletic stuff. They kind of have a certain, they have a different ceiling than somebody that was doing some, some type of athletic movements growing up because that stuff never really lose never really leaves you um in a good way that i like to explain it is is, is certain fuels so you have you, you have your players that are are, are rocket fuel the next step is kind of jet fuel then you got gasoline then you got diesel so obviously a player that would fit in those categories they're going to hit certain ceilings they might not be able to get to a certain level but they can all all perform and get better but there's just different ceilings that they can hit because they don't move as well as a top tier athlete. If that makes sense. Yeah, back totally. I'm, that's interesting, man. It really is. What, what's going What's going on with Charles Barkley? Speaking about movement, what's What's his deal, Charles, on the golf course? Is he Is he, is he for real? Uh, he actually used to be a pretty good golfer, and something Something happened where he has a little hitch in his giddy up. Obviously, he uh, majority of people have seen if they have seen his golf swing. It's almost like a nervous twitch when he tries to go in and hit the golf ball. Uh, so uh, it might be even more beneficial for him to start taking up golf left-handed. I don't know. Uh, it's ridiculous. He is, uh, he is, obviously, he was a tremendous athlete. He was probably pound for pound one of the greatest basketball players sure. of all time, being being a six-four power forward yeah. when in his time frame. But uh, but yeah, it's it's funny how <laughs> it's funny how strong the uh, how strong that mind can get. Oh, and everybody's busting on him. You know, the, you know, Michael Jordan was talking about it when someone on the interviews. They're all giving him a hard time about it, and, and they said that he even went to Tiger Woods to try to help him out, and and, to, and he couldn't offer him any any uh, any solutions for whatever he has. If he came to you, would you tell him yeah. stick? You know, go back, go go shoot some a game of horse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it, it's funny how the mind can 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 kind of lock your body down. 
it's uh it's interesting but yeah they, they did a whole series like, I, I can't remember how many years ago but it was the hank Heaney project and hank was uh tiger's tiger's coach for many years after butch um before tiger kind of had his downfall in, in 2010 with all that fun stuff going on mm-hmm. all with his life and everything along those those lines but uh hank had a his his tv show on the golf channel and and Charles was a part of that. And I don't think, uh, <laughs> I don't know. He, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't, he didn't succeed too well with the, uh, the, <laughs> the no, transformation, but I'm, you can't, you can't, you can't change somebody's mind. So that's it's, what it uh, is. it's, it's tough in that sense. It is. So what's the biggest challenge you've overcome as a, as a player? You, you, you're, you're, you started off and you said, Hey, I gotta get better at this one thing, man. And, and once you got better at it, you just took off your game, just went to the roof. What was that one thing? Um, I would probably say my wedge game is, uh, has always been my, my Achilles heel, uh, and that, that hundred to, to 30 yard distance, uh, having control of that, I, I took my game to a different level at a certain point in time. I think I was a junior in high school is when it started kind of clicking in. And then also a lot of times it's, uh, when I was a freshman in high school, I went through a really big growth run. I'm a pretty tall, tall player. Yeah, you I was are. really not built for uh, for six five, uh, for six five people in general. So I went from about five foot eight to six foot three in one summer, and my obviously the bo- <laughs> the body change and everything like that. It was uh, that was a pretty hard, hard, hard season trying to go through the changes of the body and, and trying to figure out how to swing with a completely new body, which was an interesting aspect. But I did a couple of good coaches when I was growing up. I used to go down to uh, South Carolina and work with, uh, with a gentleman, Ted Frick down there at the classic golf swing. And he really helped me kind of, kind of click that in and get my wedge game dialed in. And I was always a really good driver of the golf ball, but I was never a great wedge player. And I was always a decent putter, but nothing, nothing spectacular. Mm-hmm. So when I got the wedges, wedges was a lot better. That's when the game really started started taking taking off because I got getting close to the hole. If you're close to the hole, more putts getting gets made, scores go lower. So that and kind of some of the some of the other things that that I now know uh, a little bit later is that that mind's so important. I wish I wish I had the information that I have now. Obviously, when I was 16, 17 years old. And I might be playing this weekend instead of watching that TV. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. But, uh, but yeah, unfortunately, uh, unfortunately can't go back in time and keep the same information. But, uh, but yeah, definitely the, the wedge game. And, and if you can, as a player, if you can keep the golf ball in play, if you don't miss greens inside 80 yards and you don't three putt, your scores are going to get lower. It doesn't matter if it's, a top tier tour player, if it's a uh, an amateur golfer, just playing on the weekends, if they can do those three things, they can score pretty consistently. And I think more people need to to get out there and play with that that mindset instead of going out there and beating drivers and just trying to hit it as far as they possibly can. A lot of times, if players have a hard time breaking a hundred, sometimes it's better to break the hole down and just get themselves inside that eighty yard mark by the by their second golf shot their third golf shot, get it up near the green and try to get it in within two shots from there. And next thing you know, they're, they're shooting right around bogey golf, which for most people, that'd be incredible. So yeah, no doubt. I think sometimes it's just kind of taking, taking that information and, and realizing that you don't need to hit the driver on every single tee box just because you need to hit it farther. And that's giving yourself opportunities to score. It's a, it's a different, different thought process for a lot of people, but it's also 
takes a little bit of fun away from it. It's fun to hit that driver as far as you want to hit it. <laughs> I bet it does. So at six five, man, who does your style closest closest resemble? Um, it's hard to say. I like I I'm obviously I driver's one of my best clubs in my bag, so I would say trying to hit it as far as I can down the uh down there and try to wedge it in from there, which is majority of kind of modern golf now. It's uh the guys that are around my age, even a little bit younger. On tour kinda that's the, the montage. Tiger kinda implemented that when he was performing as high as level and they started tiger proofing golf courses so the goal has always been to hit it as far as you can and then try to hit a short iron in there close and and make a couple putts so i would say i'm i'm, I'm more modern than i am old school <laughs> gotcha and in the certain the exercises you do on a regular basis at the gym to improve that game or what uh anything that is based off stability so i do a lot of uh, glute and core stabilization type stuff uh and rotational stability it really helps generate more more speed a good good saying i always like to one of my old trainers used to say it all the time is you can't shoot a a cannon out of the canoe Mm -hmm. so you need something stable to create that 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 turning that range of motion so you can't have you can't have mobility without stability if you if you're not able to stabilize your lower half, you can't create the mobility with your upper half. So having that being said, that's a lot of the stuff that I focus on in the gym is a lot of core engagement, a lot of glute engagement. So it's more neurological training than it is going to going there and just trying to move as much weight as I possibly can. And that kind of, it took me a long time to figure that out. I, I used to be in the gym trying to move a lot of weight and I got a lot of, I got, I, I grew muscular wise, but I didn't, I wasn't very efficient. Flex. I wasn't very functional. Mm-hmm. Um, and it really, it really took a detriment in my golf game uh, where I couldn't, I, I'm still, I'm still trying to, I've been working on this stuff for a little bit over a year now and I'm still not even close to where I need to be in the sense of uh, a functional movement, just because I bound my body up so, so bad by doing stuff in the gym that probably wasn't necessarily good for golf. And it wouldn't have been bad for a different sport if I was working maybe in a, as an athlete going uh, forward and, and side to side, like a football player, even even a basketball player, uh, where the rotational aspect is not nearly as important because you're working in kind of two planes of motion instead of in, in a rotary sport where you're turning and you're trying to create that rotational speed. Uh, it's very different. So going through and training for athletes that are in that sense, they need to, to make sure that they are doing the correct stuff in the gym where it's not going to detriment their movement patterns and it's not going to detriment their ability to, to perform. Okay. Tell me, yeah, it does. Tell them what exercise you gave up right away. Once you realize that. Uh, so a lot of stuff that I have done is more focused on form. So I really didn't give up the stuff that I was doing, but I focused more on the form of what I was doing. Uh, so, so like doing squats and doing deadlifts, I was able to do a lot of weight, but my form, my my neurological system wasn't wasn't firing the muscles correctly. If that makes any sense, so I go down to my squat, I lose my core, I get get into poor form, poor form. I lock up, my hips kind of get locked up. Uh, my body wasn't moving very effectively in that sense. Uh, I don't do really much anything in regards to focus on individual muscle groups. A lot of the things that I do is more trying to fire the muscle patterns that are getting that glute to fire a little bit more, that core to fire a little bit more. Cause those things are the, are the king and the queen in the golf swing. If you can create 
that stability in those two muscle groups, you can create a lot more speed. And I've actually gained probably close to 10 miles an hour club head speed. Uh, ball speeds probably went from 167, I think I was about a year ago, to about 178, 180. Uh, I think the last time I, I got on the track, track man, and I was trying to trying to blast a couple, I got got a couple of ball speeds over 180, which is that's cool. That's comparable cool. to comparable yeah. to a couple of the longest guys on tour. So it's uh, it's definitely helped create more speed in my golf swing and. If you look at the guys on tour and this is kind of more for the, the kids that are out there growing up and, and trying to trying to get to that level, the top 10 players in the world that are in the driving distance, eight of them are in the top 10 in the money earnings, I believe, last year on tour. Uh, one of those guys that wasn't on the top 10 is Jordan Spieth, and Jordan doesn't hit it quite far, but he's very he's a very gifted short game player. He's phenomenal with his wedges. So, but Dustin Johnson, prime example, longest guy on tour, typically year in and year out, or at least top three, number one in the world. He got his wedges a little bit better, and he's putting great now. So if you can get those three things, they can make it really fire some low scores. So it's uh, it's almost more important to get these kids to generate more speed and more power at a young age to where they can be full, become better athletes there in the future and hit it just as far as these guys on tour. I mean, Justin Thomas is 160 pounds soaking wet, hit a drive 422 yards yesterday. Which is just unreal. So, and you definitely you're you're doing squats every time you're at the gym. I'm not I'm not saying every day, but that's including your regular workout squats. Give us your top yeah, five, five a, exercises. Uh, a lot of a lot of single leg type stuff. So Bulgarian splits split squats. Yep. Which is uh, one of your one of your feet are elevated as you go down, right. so you're creating some stability. Um, I do like doing a lot of stuff with kettlebells, uh, to where you're working on the hinge patterns and maintaining, maintaining a neutral, neutral spine. So you're not getting, uh, that little dip in your lower back, which we call S, S posture in the, in the game of golf, which creates a lot of tension in your lower back, turns your core off, right. soft core. And so you're just trying to make sure that you're, you're staying warranted in neutral, neutral positions in your body, but creating some speed. So I do like kettlebell swings quite a bit because you could, generating that speed with the hips getting everything to fire faster. I love doing squats. Uh, and then uh, a lot of RDLs, which are uh, kind of single leg deadlifts in a sense, different, different forms of deadlifts uh, with kettlebells with, so you're doing single leg kind of working on, again, the hinge pattern, maintaining neutral spine because you're in, in golf, you're kind of living in that little, little hinge pattern. Every, everything's playing on the ground. So you're always kind of tilted over a little bit. So, having that ability to stabilize and keep everything there and then working into that firing pattern. It's a, uh, it's a very, very good thing that people need to probably focus more on. How about low back, low back, abs, shoulders, rear de- uh, delts, uh, hands? Lower, lower back. I don't really focus too much on lower back in the sense of strengthening it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I focus more on the core in the, in the, in the pelvis, uh, positioning, if that makes any sense. So the pelvis, if you think about it as your belt, if you think about your belt line, you're trying to think about your belt line, trying to keep, keep it as a bucket with full of water. Most people tilt that thing forward. So their butt's kind of sticking out like a shelf mm-hmm. and the water starts dripping out the front side. So they're really turning off their core at that point in time and turning off their, their glutes. And they're losing that activation, which really tightens up their lower back. And that's when 
injuries tend to happen in the game of golf and injuries tend to happen in the gym as well when people start getting into that kind of anterior tilt. So really focusing on, on tucking that pelvis underneath where the almost the water is dripping out the backside instead of the front side, and that will really help keep that core engaged and kind of stabilize with that core and start firing those glutes a little bit more. So that, that's one of the reasons that, that it always kind of people joke about. Tiger talking about, I wasn't getting my glutes to fire them. That was what, 2013, but it's true. If you don't have those glutes in the core firing, that lower back can really take a lot of that toll of the beating and lower back's only supposed to work like it's supposed to work like an elbow. It's supposed to work forward and backwards. Forward and it's not supposed to work in a, in, right. in a rotary sense. Uh, that's where that thoracic spine and the hips kind of take over the rotary sense. So when they're starting to turn off those those muscle groups and that lower back starts turning on, that's when uh, that's when a lot of people start flaring up and they get that lower back issue. And, uh, and it's a lot of my students are like, man, it doesn't hurt when I swing this way. And they're so used to swinging a certain way and their body starts hurting. And that's one of the reasons why if your body hurts at all in the duration of the golf swing, you're not doing something right. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's a big thing. And you work on that with your, with your clients. I work on that with my clients quite a bit. Yeah. So who's going to leave a bigger impact tiger or Jack? Um, I, I wasn't around when Jack was around. Uh, so I, I, in that time frame, I feel like Arnold Palmer was a bigger impact player. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, I would say that probably a lot of people, and Jack influenced Tiger, but I, I, I can't see anybody influencing the world as much as Tiger did from 97 until 2008. He was He's strong. That's, 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 yeah, he, he changed everything. So I, I don't think there's been an athlete that's had a bigger impact on a, on a single sport period than tiger woods what's your favorite club and even i'm sorry what's your favorite club golf club titleist i'm a titleist guy are you yeah because so every top and bottom um <laughs> well, i'm on contract with them <laughs> <laughs> good answer man i'm sure you're hitting the, you're hitting no, their... but i do i do love their stuff i actually uh growing up I always had, I still use my same putter, which is a, a Scotty Studio Select Newport 2.5. I've had that thing since 2006. So that's been in my bag for 12 years. That's my longest relationship. <laughs> I think I've ever had. That's, 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 a nice, that's a good answer, man. Before, you, before I let you go, people listening to this podcast, the thousands of them listening out there are going to want to go out there tomorrow, hit that golf, hit that golf ball. Your tip to them tomorrow is to hit it with what? One of my favorite practice things, this is going to be a very big challenge. One of my favorite things to do for practice would be to take out a nine iron, hit it full, and then take out every single iron in my bag above that and try to hit it the same exact distance as I hit my nine iron. Mm. If they can do that, mm. that is one of the most, most, most challenging, but one of the most beneficial things that a player can do to help kind of get the feel of what their positions are and, how their swing actually feels and kind of where the hiccups are. So it's uh it's really good. It's a great, great drill to kind of focus on tempo, uh, great drill to slow themselves down. Cause I would say majority of players just move too darn fast. So it's a great way to really, really work on it and it helps them perform better on the golf course. So go out there and you guys give that a try and uh, take out a nine iron, hit a full, t- full tilt and everything above the bag up to a three iron, try to hit the same distance. Very, very challenging, but it's going to be a beneficial, beneficial drill. And, and then, then the only other thing is have somebody check your grip. Check the grip. You can get check your grip. If you can get a good grip, 
it really can change change a lot of what that golf the golf club does in the uh in the motion of the golf swing which is uh it's it's incredible how fast that can change somebody's golf swing it's just simply changing the grip majority they, of the players have if they very want, weak grips and go ahead and hit hit a lot of majority of players have a lot of weak grips where the the left or the lead hand is kind of pointed towards the target and they should get that that glove logo a little bit more towards the sky get a little stronger but uh but yeah have a have have your local pga pro come check out your grip and make sure uh make sure it looks good what if they want to hire you for the for their pga guy how they get how can they get a hold of you uh you can get a hold of me by uh by my email uh kurt.nelson.brown at gmail uh that goes directly to my phone so shoot me a line if you want to get some information or like if you need help at all in your golf swing or you can always come down and see me at Camelback Golf Club over there in Paradise Valley. Uh, two beautiful golf courses there, the Padre and Ambiente. Uh, Padre right now is in phenomenal shape, so if you can get out there and and play, definitely come out and see us. Kurt.Nelson.Brown at gmail.com? Correct. And then Kurt, K-U-R-T. That's right. All right, man. We appreciate your time, buddy. Thanks, Brett. I really appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Talk to you later, buddy. Have a good day. Yeah, you too, Brett. Thanks again. Thanks, man. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.